date was March 2nd, 2013 here at Free Admission for Real, www.freeadmissionfr.com. Also on iTunes, my name is J.P. Nichols, here with the latest edition of Be Nice to Impact or Not for the February 28th, 2013 edition of Impact, and it's illustrious return to the Impact Zone for one of the last two television shows that will be taking place inside the building, and what I thought was probably one of the more enjoyable Impacts of 2013 so far, I actually thought that I enjoyed this show a bit more than the UK shows in terms of overall work and consistency to the show, building of storylines, heading towards lockdown, and let's get right into it. We had a previously on Impact Wrestling video, as always, as well as a video from earlier today where an interviewer tried to get comment from Bully Ray and Brooke Hogan about uh, Hulk Hogan's condition following last week's events. Uh, Brooke stumbled across some words and couldn't really get a point across until Ray just basically said that he's messed up really bad and the two of them quickly ran away. Uh, Pyrotechnics uh, went off and we had Bully Ray's music hit. He came to the ring. Uh, he stopped actually at the towards uh, his way down the ramp to look for Taz, but Tanae says that he's not there. Ray started off saying how cool it is to be back in the impact zone, but then said he's never been more angry in his life. Said Aces and Eights have been running rough shot over TNA for the past year or so, uh, naming that the biker group have taken out plus uh, everyone that they've taken out, plus uh, the destruction of his wedding to Brooke. Said last week should have been a huge week for TNA with the in-ring return of Hogan, but they ruined that too. And he sweared to God that he will get his hands on the Aces and Eights, his former partner Devon especially, and said that they will never want to step in a wrestling ring again when he's done. He said there's one guy he wants to speak to and introduces his opponent for lockdown in about two weeks, uh, the returning Jeff Hardy, uh, who's making his return after not being on the UK shows after being injured uh, via hammer. Uh, Hardy made his way to the ring uh, with both world titles in hand, both of which I honestly would say look better than the current WWE title, but I digress. Not the... Not the Hardy title's very, very bad, but just goes to show how I feel towards that current WWE Championship. Um, he sat down, Belton made his way to the ring, uh, slapped hands with the fans, uh, got in the apron pose for the crowd, bump fists, and uh, crowd went wild for Hardy, as you'd expect. Ray went on to say that never in his wildest dreams that he would think that he'd be standing across from one another wrestling for the most prestigious title in wrestling. Told Hardy he doesn't feel right about getting a shot at the title due to being Hogan's son-in-law. He said he's not sure this is the way he wants to face Hardy and isn't positive if he's the right guy to challenge him. Hardy grabbed the mic at this point and said it's great to be back on impact and in the zone, uh, which uh, prompted the crowd to chant for him again. Said he would have chosen Ray himself and brings up their history, climbing ladders, swinging chairs, breaking tables, and said that they have reinvented themselves, which I would say is absolutely true. And at lockdown, they will reinvent their history. And then at this point, Bad Influences music hit. Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian dance their way to the ring. Uh, Daniels with scarf, I should also mention, and an amazing Spider-Man shirt. Amazing, amazing Spider-Man shirt, I should say. It was a very nice shirt. But uh, uh, Kazarian said that Ray should feel bad he got the title shot because he didn't earn it. He was given it. Daniels took the mic, said the only person who deserves the main event lockdown less is Hardy himself, and blames Hardy's face paint for losing on account of having an allergic reaction to the face paint. Uh, called Bully Ray, Bully Raymond, which was fantastic, as always from Daniels, and he told them that if they're done glad-handing each other, it's time to get out of the ring so they can let the Impact crowd worship them. 
Ray grabbed Daniel's Appletini, drinks it, then spat it back into the glass. Ray commented that real men don't drink Appletinis, and Hardy and Ray uh, sent them out of the ring, and Ray challenged them to a tag team match later in the main event. And then uh, at this point, uh, we had Velvet Sky walking backstage for her upcoming match. We had Sting backstage with Hulk Hogan, in Hulk Hogan's office. Magnus was with him and made the case for being included on the Lethal Lockdown match. Said that he's not the new guy in the roster anymore and said Sting has mentored him since he arrived in TNA. Said it's time he pays Sting back. He's not just Team TNA, he's Team Sting. And mentioned why, uh, as to why Sting said, why him? He said, why me? Why the hell not? Then left the office letting Sting contemplate his words. Uh, Gail Kim joined commentary at this point for the upcoming uh, Terra and Velvet match. Mentioned that she's getting a knockouts title shot at lockdown against uh, the winner of this match. And uh, I guess on commentary, because I did not hear this, but I guess she also blamed the uh, her loss of the knockouts title, well, uh, her loss of winning the knockouts title, I should say, on Taryn Terrell. Uh, we then had Velvet versus Tara with Jesse for the Knockouts title. Not a very good match at all. It was short, I will say that much, but it was pretty clunky. And then it had a very, very bizarre ending. Um, Godders attempted to distract Velvet. And then at this point, Terrell saw Godders and attempted to eject him from the ring in probably the most cartoony way I would describe. Like, yeah, you could watch probably multiple 19... 30s, 1940s cartoons, and you could probably fit in Taryn Terrell's reaction here onto those cartoons because she was like throwing her arms up in the air, stomping, uh, screaming, just going absolutely wild. She was completely animated, trying to get Jesse out of the way. And uh, Tara argued with her about it after somehow managing to get the advantage of Velvet by kicking her in the head, but this was to no avail. As uh, Tara was still distracted by Taryn ejecting Jesse, Velvet got up, hit the in-your-face, set out pedigree for the 1-2-3 to retain. Like I said, not a very good match, but <laughs> I would recommend seeking out this uh, Terrell reaction, honestly, because it was just, it, it really blew my mind at how cartoony it was. We had Aries backstage on the phone with Bobby Roode for not being here for a photo shoot. And they brought up that they have a triple threat match at lockdown of Aries and Rude versus Bad Influence versus Chavo and Hernandez for the tag titles, which sounds like a two-thirds of a great match. And, I mean, the full match should still be very good. But I just desperately want them to get Aries and Rude versus Bad Influence just two-on-two two at some point. Even if it's heel versus heel, the, those four in the ring together at the same time can't possibly produce anything less than great. But uh, Chavo interrupted the phone call and said Aries has a match tonight. Aries did not mind having the having the option to wrestle. He made his case, said that he can just beat up anyone, and Chavo said that his match was against Hernandez. And they exited, leaving Aries to contemplate the announcement. Uh, we had another video earlier in the day of Kenny King and uh, the camera guy trying to catch up with him. Asked King where he's going in his TNA career. Uh, King said right to Rob Van Dam and went into Rob Van Dam in the dressing room and tells him to tell the world that King is better than him. RVD said he's already beaten him many times and is still the champion, so why should he be better than Van Dam? 
Van Dam offered him a challenge saying, King gets one more title shot tonight. If he wins, he can have the title. That was his word, not mine. And if he loses, then he's out of the X Division. Uh, Aries made his way out to the ring uh, to take on Hernandez. At this point, Taz joined the announce table. And Hernandez versus Austin Aries. Honestly, a better match than I was expecting. I thought that they were going to uh, have Hernandez just completely squash Aries in sort of a comedy sense. But Aries got in plenty of offense. Uh, finish was uh, pretty enjoyable as well. Uh, Hernandez uh, grabbed him for the border toss, but uh, ref got distracted. Uh, Aries pulled out a chain and hit Hernandez in the head with it. And then I believe he actually hid the chain in Hernandez's tights to give him like an alibi on the event of somehow <laughs> if this chain were to have been discovered by the ref, got the pinfall victory. Uh, there was also one really notable spot that I thought was pretty incredible in this match, which was uh, I believe Aries was going for his rolling elbow that he usually does after bouncing off the ropes. And Hernandez did his uh, pounce and Aries sort of skipped across the ring like he bounced off his ass and just continued to skip a little bit was the best way that I could describe it. It almost looked, it was like the equivalent of throwing a rock across a pond and he just sort of just continued to bounce after getting hit and I thought that was particularly hilarious. But uh, match itself was fine. I mean, I'm not personally nuts on Hernandez in a singles capacity. He also uh, busted out the briefly utilized uh, shorter tights, which made him look like a bigger version of Kurt Angle, in a sense. But, uh, like I said, fine match. I imagine we'll probably get Bobby Roode versus Chavo next week uh, to uh, go towards lockdown, although perhaps I actually wouldn't mind if they were to do like three or two triple threat matches next week of some combination of the, th of the uh, six guys that will be in the tag title match, but probably asking for too much from that. Uh, we had Joseph Park backstage with Sting eating a gigantic pile of ribs. <laughs> Sting tried to tell Joseph Park what exactly a rib is because Joseph Park is still not entirely familiar with wrestling terminology. Very awesome, man. Um, Park begged Sting to choose him, but unfortunately for Joe Park's case, uh, Sting happened to eyeball Matt Morgan walking down the hallway, and Sting immediately got up and requested Matt Morgan to join Team TNA. Morgan said anyone who has anything to do with Hulk Hogan is guilty in his eyes and turned down Sting's offer. Which, when it's between <laughs> Joseph Park and Matt Morgan, I honestly would feel like Joseph Park would be the better choice, even if Joseph Park is now, at this point, a bit inexperienced in the ring. If only for the fact that even if uh, even if I'm not exactly the biggest Matt Morgan fan, chances are he will turn on the team anyway because that's what he does. So <laughs> I guess uh, Sting at this point has not realized that. Uh, back from commercial after this, we had uh, Kenny King versus Rob Van Dam for the exhibition title. I thought this was a good match. Obviously, these two have wrestled a million times. Almost might be the equivalent of uh, Kofi Kingston versus Dolph Ziggler uh, in WWE standards, only that's happened a million more times than this match has happened. But uh, they did some really nifty stuff towards uh, uh, in this match, such as King attempting a corkscrew splash to the outside, landed on his feet uh, after RVD moved on the floor, and RVD hopped up on the apron and got him with a springboard kick. Uh, a lot of uh, the trademark stuff from the two of them, including RVD doing the uh, spinning leg drop onto Kenny King when he's draped across the guardrail. Uh, King started to get the advantage um, before uh, RVD made his comeback. 
And the ending, unfortunately, really knocked this match down a peg. As RBD went to the top, he looked like he was going to go for a 5-star frog splash, but he ended up attempting a 450 splash, actually. And King quickly made the cover. I have a very smart move. And Earl Hebner made the count. One, two, and from my vantage point, it looked like RBD's shoulder was not fully down, and Earl Hebner was about to count three. And it was clearly supposed to be the ending, but it instead was made very awkward, and crowd was not exactly thrilled about this. And this just sent the match into total disarray. Uh, King got RVD out. They exchanged some really, really bad-looking punches. And then King hit the Royal Flush in pretty sloppy fashion. I, I mean, RVD has had to have taken this move a f quite a few times up to this point. He still has not been able to take it quite properly. But King hit the Royal Flush and then pinned him, one, two, three. And we have a new exhibition champion after a million losses, it seems, to Van Dam. Uh, and Kenny King is the new exhibition champion. And unfortunately for him, I mean, more, more unfortunate to me than the ending to the match itself was the fact that his title win was almost completely to the back in trademark TNA fashion, where... He won the belt, he was celebrating a bit on the ramp, and then not like a moment after the bell rang, we went backstage. Very unfortunate, but what can you do? I assume that they'll just do a rematch between these two at lockdown, maybe throw in Zima Ion randomly or something like that, but we will see by next week. Uh, we had Kurt Angle catching up with Sting backstage. Sting showed Angle his Team TNA list, and Angle's in disbelief at one of his picks. Uh, Sting said desperate times call for desperate measures and to trust him. Angle goes with it, and then they went their separate ways. We had uh, the announcement of the lethal lockdown teams. Aces and Eights came out with Devon and the crew of Mr. Anderson, Doc, the now titled Knox. I'm not sure if it's only Knox or if it's Mike Knox, but he was titled Knox. I heard, <laughs> in a funny moment, I actually heard Knox when Devon called him that, and I thought that was hysterical, but it is, in fact, Knox. So, <laughs> going forward, uh, and Garrett Bischoff was also there. Uh, Devon grabbed the mic, said that this is the club that will dominate TNA in 2013. So the same thing that happened at Bound for Glory will also happen at Lockdown. Devon told Sting that he will be leading his, uh, his team to the slaughter. Sting came out to the ramp. Started to announce his teammates one by one. He announced Samoa Joe, James Storm, and Magnus. And Sting uh, decided to tease the last guy by announcing Showtime. Showtime. And then Eric Young came in from the crowd. And all of them decided to get in a brawl. Uh, Team TNA cleared the ring of Aces and Aids. And they stared one another down as uh, Sting's music played. Um, I will say, I mean, I been very vocal against Eric Young, but it makes sense in the storyline sense, and it's not like I don't like Eric Young as a wrestler, I just feel like his comedy character has been so overplayed over the last few years, and it really should just die, honestly, for lack of a better way of putting it. I mean, he can do comedy well, it's just unfortunate that they typically put him in situations where he does not, and he's a perfectly fine wrestler, but... With the way that this storyline has gone, it's just been like, Aces and Aids are just such a non-threat that it's hard to get into it. 
But the lethal lockdown match is very, very hard to mess up. They had a bad one last year, and then uh, even though it technically wasn't a lethal lockdown, the one in 2005 was also bad. But pretty much every other one uh, has been either good to great, honestly. And with the people they have in this match, um, like Joe, Storm, Magnus... Uh, even uh, Luke Gallows, Knox, and even Anderson, who's been a bit more motivated than usual as of late in the ring. There's no reason why the match shouldn't be fun. It's a very easy match to pull off. It's just unfortunate that the story circumstances heading towards it have been pretty poor for the most part. We had a hype video for the uh, first contestant for Gut Check tonight, Ivalice Fa-Lez. They titled her on the screen, not Velez. But fuh, Les, which I thought was a bit bizarre, but I guess it's potentially in the event that if they do sign her, that will be her name. But I'm pretty certain that's her real name anyway, so it was a little bizarre to me, like I said. But uh, mentioned how she's from Puerto Rico, trains in MMA. Uh, mentioned, you know, how she had disagreements with her mother going into the wrestling business. But now is a healed relationship with her and her mother will be watching and proud of her on this uh watching her on TV in this match later tonight. Uh we had uh, a backstage segment with uh, Ace and Nates leaving the building furious of what happened and then we had an over the shoulder shot of Kurt Angle seeing them and telling the cameraman to follow him as he hunts him down. We had the second gut check video hyping the second contestant Lady Tapa who is a niece of uh the Barbarian. And also mentioned uh, a lot of her emotional issues in the past as well, and talks about her drive to become a wrestler. Um, I didn't actually touch on it, but uh, the fact that I, I mean, I've had the opportunity to see uh, Ivalice wrestle quite a bit on account of FCW and NXT, and now recently uh, with Shine because she's been on the past three Shine shows, debuting against Athena, wrestled Sue Young. And then uh, recently, last Friday, I actually wrestled uh, Lufisto in what was one of the best matches that Shine has had up to this point. And she is very, very, very good. I have not seen Lady Tapa until this match, so I wasn't quite sure what to expect. But uh, the, their match they had, I mean, for the four minutes or so that it was, was so much better than the Terra and Velvet match earlier in the night. Uh, we had Ivalice versus Lady Tapa. Lady Tapa was very, very big. I did not, I mean, uh, being the niece of the Barbarian, I guess I should have expected that, but it didn't quite really hit me until she made her way to the ring. Uh, both of them worked a very fine match, uh, very much a, you know, as you would expect, a uh, big big girl versus smaller girl kind of match. Um, uh, Lady Tapa, I guess, has only been wrestling two years, but she actually worked her, uh, worked her style very well. Only... Only critique I could honestly say is the fact that after she hit a Samoan drop, she took like a long time to attempt to cover uh, Ivelisse, but that's really the only bad thing I can say. Ivelisse was just very, very good, uh, hitting a lot of really nice moves, uh, such as a Hurricane Rana, uh, a Tornado DDT, and she actually ended up winning the match uh, following a guillotine choke, making uh, Tapa, uh, Lady Tapa tap out, and yeah, just... And honestly, probably one of the better gut... I mean, maybe the best gut check match that they've had up to this point, besides uh, the one that Christian York had, which I thought was pretty enjoyable as well. But this one was very good for what it was supposed to be. 
in all honesty, as much as I would like for Ivelisse to get signed because of the fact that she is very talented in the ring and deserves it, I feel like they're going to sign Lady Tapa, if only for the fact that she's something really different uh, to the roster. I mean, she fills that void that, like, an awesome, Kong, oh, amazing Kong left uh, when Kong left all those years, uh, well, now, at this point, three years ago. But we will see what happens when they have the verdict next week. We had Aries catching up with Jeff Hardy in the locker room. Aries told Hardy he's pulling for him in lockdown because Ray is the golden boy. <laughs> Aries was really funny on this show. I haven't really t touched on that. But he was telling Hardy to do some more of those Hardy squats and made fun of Hardy's uh, arm flailing entrance. Um, we had a video uh, with an update on AJ Styles, as promised. Uh, with interviews from his wife and a longtime friend, and both talked about how AJ changed over the last year. Uh, wife walked off saying it was too personal, and uh, as his friend was being interviewed, Styles walked in, and he looked really out of it, has a full-fledged beard, uh, his hair was very unkempt, he was in like a wife beater and jacket. He quickly walk walked off and drove away on a on a very large motorcycle. I've seen some people say that it was almost like the bat cycle from the Dark Knight, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. But uh, perhaps it's like a bit of a hint that he could be involved in Aces and Aids, although I do not personally see that happening. I know some people have talked to me about it potentially being possible, but the way I'm looking at this is um, unfortunate, again, that Aces and Aids has just been such a bust, but this is just one guy's prediction that uh, at some point AJ could potentially be like the Sting in WCW to the NWO, where AJ has just been simply known as, you know, the golden boy for a long time, and now he's going through a bit of a character transition, and then he'll come back with a bit of a different persona, but still just as great as he once was, and then perhaps be the guy to remove Aces and Aids completely from TNA. But we will see if they end up going that route. I mean, I, I personally wouldn't be upset about that, just simply for the fact that AJ has been there, there the guy for, ever since TNA started up. And that would be a good way to sort of reignite the fact that he is their guy. But again, we will see. I mean, I, I but I am at least very intrigued with what they're going with with him so far. And then, in a lesser note, we had Robbie E in the ring uh, saying that sometimes in life a bro has to admit when there's a bigger and better bro. Says that he's come to the realization and brings out his friend Robbie T, calling him by his full name, Rob Terry. Uh, Robbie E came out to the ring to open up the velvet rope for Terry, held the rope for him, but Terry entered on a different side. Said their beef has gotten way out of hand and apologizes for slapping him. Said that he crossed the line. Said that being friends for two years has meant the world to him and wants to show him how much Terry means to him. And he told Terry that he's the better bro. And asked for one more bro off for old time's sake. He does, uh, Robbie E does a dance. Terry cracked a smile. Then told Terry... Uh, Robbie E said Terry's a bro off champion and deserves a spotlight. Music started and Terry uh, took a sweater off, started dancing, but Robbie E ran in and smashed the VIP entrance sign over his skull. Perfectly, actually. It completely went around Terry's noggin. Uh, Robbie E celebrated, but Terry stood there, uh, rose up uh, from the mat with the frame still over his neck. And Robbie E finally saw him out of the corner of his eye and quickly bailed out of the ring. Honestly, pretty comical stuff, and for better or worse, it's going to lead to a match of lockdown, probably, which in a comedy sense will probably be pretty enjoyable, but unfortunately, the long term of this 
is the fact that we are potentially going to get a Rob Terry singles run. And can't say I'm looking forward to that at all. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Rob Terry in a manager sense has been tremendously more enjoyable than he was when he was actually wrestling. But unfortunately, it is what we're stuck with. Uh, Aries caught up with Bully Ray backstage, who was lifting weights. Aries told Ray he was pulling for him, uh, and <laughs> actually commented on the fact that Ray needs to be careful with how he's uh, swinging those weights, like pushing his hips out. And Ray, at this point, oh, oh, you was like, oh, you mean like this, and was swinging towards Aries. I was like, yeah, you mean just like that. Um, and uh, Ray said that Aries isn't going to stir him up. Ray told Aries he to get used to wearing the tag team title because he won't be wearing the world title that he covets anytime soon. He told Aries to get out of his face until he leaves. Aries told Ray to say hi to Brooke for me. More more fantastic stuff from Aries on this show. <laughs> he was very awesome throughout. Um, we saw Kurt Angle uh, walking around backstage saying he's going to take the fight to the Aces and Eights. He walked through a door and behind it seemed to be the Aces and Eights clubhouse. Uh, we had Bad Influence dance her way to the ring for the main event. Bully Ray and Jeff Hardy versus Bad Influence. Good match. Very good match for TV especially. But a bit on the short side for what I was hoping for. But uh, Ray continued to show that he can really team with anyone and make it work. As he was fantastic in this match. Even when, with working this match with a messed up quad. Hardy was very good. Daniels and Kazarian, of course, were very good. Um... It's just unfortunate that uh, this match was a bit shortchanged, as this could have been something really great had it gotten a bit more time. But it's also sort of bad, actually, that, um, granted, it's a cl major cliche in wrestling, and I hate that I'm even saying that it's sort of bad that they didn't do this, but the fact that there's no tension at all between Ray and Hardy is sort of bad, considering that this is, without a doubt, the biggest match that Ray has probably had in his entire career. And... The fact that there's not a little bit of tension between him and Hardy is a bit out of the ordinary. But, again, I can't discredit the match at all. The match was very good. Uh, Ray dropped Daniels with an electric chair, and Hardy came off the top with a swanton. One, two, three. Hardy and Ray won. But uh, the celebration was cut short as we quickly went backstage and saw Kurt Angle beating up the Aces and Eights members in the clubhouse. Then he came to what I have seemed to believe is now the VP, as titled, of the Aces and Eights, implying that there's still that higher power that was alluded to. So uh, Angle smashed a bottle over the VP's head and unmasked him out of view, stared in disbelief and asked how could this person do the, what he did. And then the other Aces and Eights members showed up and attacked Angle from behind and beat him down as we faded to black. Honestly, a decent cliffhanger. Um, I, I'm curious over the sense of what exactly this will mean for Angle next week. I mean, like, will they have kidnapped him in the same sense as they did Joe Park, considering that Angle has to wrestle West Briscoe in lockdown? But uh, the VP, in, in all likelihood, it's D'Lo Brown, and I cannot get too enthused over that. But at minimum, in the same situation as the Devon bit, at least it's not the head guy, which, actually on that note, it's sort of funny considering that the whole purpose why it seemed why they turned Taz heel was to make him the new mouthpiece of Aces and Eights, and then in the segment where they revealed the team, they had Devon do all the talking, and Taz did nothing but sit in the commentary booth and be terrible. But 
Again, I, I really can't see this VP being anyone outside of D'Lo Brown, but I imagine by lockdown we will officially know who it is. And that concluded this week's Impact, which, again, well, not a great show. I thought it was a more enjoyable show than pretty much all the UK stuff. I mean, matches were... I mean, the Kenny King match was good, I thought, until the blundered ending. Main event, I thought, was good. I enjoyed the gut check match. Aries and Hernandez was fine for what it was supposed to be, and the opening match was pretty bad. But then we also had some good story advancement with uh, build towards the lockdown main event, build towards the lethal lockdown, uh, some more advancement with AJ. So overall, I thought an enjoyable episode of Impact overall. And next week, we will actually have more than likely a special edition of Be Nice to Impact or Not for the last episode as of now of Impact Inside the Impact Zone, as I will not be alone when recording Be Nice to Impact next week, or Be Nice to Impact or not next week, so I will be joined by Ben Turpin Inside the Impact Zone, so you will have a in-house edition of Free Admission for Real discussing the last Impact in the history of the Impact Zone. So, got that to look forward to. Also, going to record an audio over the weekend as free admission has now been on the been online for two years. And what better way to do that than to recap the 11th anniversary show of Ring of Honor, which I, as of now, I'm unsure if I will be able to watch live. But if I don't, I will at least be able to watch it probably the day after. But that remains to be seen. Show looks great. Honestly, on paper, I, I mean, Steen and Lethal, I know some people can take or leave, but should be a very good match. Roderick and Elgin, two out of three falls, should be very good. Uh, the Wolves versus uh, Forever Hooligans should be also very good. Uh, they also have, let's see, running down the full card, Briscoe's defending the tag titles against Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, Adam Cole defending against Matt Taven. Charlie Haas versus Whitmer in a no-holds-barred match. Uh, Scum versus Caprice Coleman and Cedric Alexander, and then a six-man mayhem of QT Marshall versus ACH versus Silas Young versus Mike Seidel versus Adam Page versus Tadarius Thomas, which should be a very fun match and um, a six-man mayhem that been, feels like it's been forever since Ring of Honor has done one of those. So make sure to check out that show on uh, Ring of Honor's site. It goes live at 8.30 uh, Eastern. Should be a really good show, like I said. And just stay tuned to Twitter. Follow us at, at FreeMissionFR. Follow me on Twitter at, at I underscore M underscore Hollywood. Uh, find me on Facebook, anything like that. I do all the social media. <laughs> but until next time, I'm JP Nichols. I will talk to you all again very soon.